0: you're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Open your Bibles and turn to uh, 1 Samuel 16. i got to be a little honest, I was getting a little nervous here. And then, um, well, the song that was just sung is is my message, so I guess that if I I do bad, you've still gotten the idea. A lot of pressure off me. Uh, Very humbling to be up here, Uh, and as Chad said this morning, it's a huge honor, but it's also very humbling. And um, I want to preach to you tonight about uh, God's calling in your life, in my life, in all of our lives. You know, and, and when you hear the term God's calling, you, you probably think to yourself, well, that's for pastors and for missionaries, uh, you know, evangelists, apostles, those those men. And, and it's true, they do answer God's calling, but it's also for you in your life and for me in my life and for people who, who work 40 hours a week at a job and they come here on Sundays and on Wednesday nights just to hear the gospel. We get called of God as well. Um, so <clears throat> even though that we attach the meaning of, of calling of God's word to, you know, a career choice or a major life decision, uh, they can be smaller callings as well. Not not less important, but smaller. Right. Maybe it's teach Sunday school, uh, bus ministry, printing ministry, door knocking. I mean, these are callings that God has for people. And, and it's you and I that have to answer those callings. And And so often that, you know, people, they get too wrapped up in the head about the whole calling thing. And and, and it's not so much maybe the calling is too hard for people to understand. Maybe it's, it's the change that's going to have to happen in your life in order to answer the call. That, that really gets people, I think. Um, and so I, I, this message here tonight is, is to maybe address some of those concerns. Uh, I've entitled the message, When, when God Calls the Heart. Uh, so that's my title. Notice it is, it is the term when and not if God calls the heart. Because God is going to call you. Probably multiple times in your life. So, if you're saved, you're on the your way to heaven, you've already been called once to be a child of his. So, uh, we're going uh, to start here. Uh, if you want to stand, please, and while I read uh, the first uh, 13 verses or so of, of 1 Samuel chapter 16. We'll begin in verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord, and call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him who I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, "Comest thou peaceably?" And he said, "Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice." And he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And we get here in verse 6, and it came to pass Uh, When they were come, that he looked on Elab, which is the eldest son of Jesse. He looked on Elab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart." And then uh, we'll skip a few verses here. And this is where Jesse's calling his second son and his third and his fourth. All the way down through all seven sons that he brought to appear before Samuel. And Samuel rejects them all. We get down here at verse 11. And Samuel says uh, uh, unto Jesse, uh, Are here all thy children? And uh, Jesse answering him, he said, uh, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. Uh, and he sent, and he brought him in. If I could pause for a second. This isn't in my notes, but i really pressed to say this, that oftentimes read the Bible verse to verse to verse, and it's like, God, oh, this is a really fast-happening, fast-paced story. But let's think about this. They're in a room in the town, and they've got to stop what they're doing. They can't just call up David on the phone and be like, Hey, you need to speed. Get here right away. They had to walk out the town and then into the field, wherever David was, and find him in a field somewhere and say, hey, come follow me, and then reverse the whole process. It was probably several hours, potentially, right? I and mean, we don't know how long it was, but, but my point is that patience. We read these and think it all happens so fast, but God works through patience as well. Right. That's a side note. I'm sorry about that. <clears throat> we'll go to verse 12. We, uh, and so he sent and he brought him in. Uh, Now he was ruddy and withal and and a beautiful countenance and goodly to look on, or look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, uh, for this is he. And then we'll, just for closing sake, we'll read 13 here. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up. And went to Ramah. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, the, the services we had this morning. Uh, for the music ministry so far in this service. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, bless this passage to to us and everyone here, Lord. And I pray that you would you uh, you would you would speak through me, Lord. And that they wouldn't see me when they look up here. That they would see you, Lord. And just come down here and, and get the words that you want them to get. From my mouth and into their hearts, Lord. And I pray it would be a blessing here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, I didn't really have an illustration, but after the great one of Chad's this morning, I had to think of one. And luckily, I have a, I have a, I have a daughter. I have two beautiful daughters, but one of them helped me out yesterday uh, with an illustration. So yesterday, I took my family to uh, Minnesota, it's the Renaissance Festival. I don't know, we, we thought we'd try it out. and it, it was fun, it was interesting. We were there, it was uh, It was. It was, it was middle afternoon, it was warm, it was sunny, it was humid, and uh, Arabelle uh, got a little thirsty, and she wanted some lemonade, and we were sitting down, we're waiting for a show to start, and I was like, okay, well, I'll go with you, we'll get some lemonade. So we walked down this hill, and we find a lemonade stand somewhere, and there's a long line, and so we got to wait in line for a long time for this lemonade. And we're about halfway done waiting, and and Rhiannon calls, I'm talking to her on the phone, getting to see what, you know, what she wants for the lemonade stand. And, uh, and as I'm hanging up the phone with Rhiannon, uh, there's, a, there's a voice off in the distance, it's a, it's a rickshaw operator. You know, rickshaw is, it's like a giant, you know, uh, wheelbarrow you haul people in. <laughs> and he's got people in this rickshaw, and he's running down this hill, and he's yelling top of his lungs, you know, get out of the way, move, or whatever the things he's yelling and I, I didn't really you know what was going on. I mean, his path was clearly downhill. And his path was clearly through the line that we're all standing in at the lemonade stand. And I'm, I'm hanging up with my phone and, and this rickshaw guy is getting really close. And I was like, man, he's gonna, right by me, this guy's going real fast. And as I'm turning and hanging up and putting in my pocket, I noticed that my daughter is standing and she didn't hear him because a lot of noise going on. And so this guy in his rickshaw just plows right into Arabelle. And she goes flying like five feet and lands on the ground. And the guy, you know, he was like, I can't stop, I can't stop. But of course, when she landed on the ground in front of him, I mean, he was able to stop then. So I don't know what his problem was in a hurry. And so I, I had a good dad. I rushed and picked her up, and I brushed her off, and I was like, you okay? And then I turned to yell at the guy, and he's gone. He kept running down the hill with his rickshaw. And so we had to wait in line now. Everyone's seen my daughter get, get, you know, jousted, basically, onto the ground. And uh, just, for, just for some lemonade. This is all just for some lemonade. Now, the benefit was, when we got there, so we got, someone bought us some lemonade. Because of the situation, we got a free lemonade out of the deal. So I don't know about you, but free lemonade tastes a whole lot better than paid-for lemonade. <laughs> all right? So I think she should do that all the time. <clears throat> and not get injured. Obviously, that would be... Lemonade is way cheaper than the hospital bill. But in that funny little story, you know, there was a calling for lemonade, right? And we went to lemonade. And there were some hardships along the journey to get the lemonade. But in the end, the lemonade was worth it. Right? Arabelle, you agree? She's not saying no, so I'm going to say yes. So just like that, Samuel had a calling as well. And if we look here, Samuel. The calling wasn't convenient at the time. So, there's a lot of reasons why, as we're called by God, we might think to ourselves, well, maybe I should answer the call, or maybe I should delay it a little bit. And so, some of those reasons I'm going to talk about tonight. The first one is that sometimes God's call, when it comes to you, is going to come at a time that you think it's inconvenient. If we look here in verse 1, uh, it says, The Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? You see, Right before this, Samuel was just, just finished doing a pretty rough job. He had just gone face-to-face with Saul. He had told him that you were doing the wrong thing. You weren't listening to God's word. And as a result, God has rejected you from being a king over Israel. That's a tough thing to do. And, and Saul, I'm sorry, Samuel was probably uh, feeling pretty bad about that. He was obviously mourning it. I don't think that at the time when God spoke to him, Samuel was looking for something else to do in his life. He wasn't looking for the next thing. He wanted to sit there, and he wanted to lick his wounds a little bit, maybe feel better about it. So sometimes when, when God's word comes to you and, and calls you, it's going to be the time that you think is inconvenient. And maybe it's inconvenient because of what you're currently doing. Let's, if we look at you know, uh, Matthew's account of when Jesus called his disciples, that calling was inconvenient for his disciples. And we got Peter and Andrew, and they're, they're in a boat on the lake, and they're fishing. They're fishermen, they're fishing. Their net is currently in the water, and Jesus says, hey, follow me. And they, and they do. And he goes to the next boat, and you've got, uh, you've got uh, James and John, and, and uh, they're, they're with their father fixing the net. The main thing they use for income is the net, and they're fixing it because it's broken. And they, they immediately leave that net and follow Jesus. That's pretty inconvenient, if the one thing you use to make your living is, is broken, and someone says, and God comes and calls you, and you leave that thing, that's an inconvenient time for you. Now, we, we, we can look out, you know, through history, and we read the Gospels, and we see all the great things that the, uh, the apostles did, right? They, I mean, they, they witnessed so many great miracles, they spent personal time with the Lord, you know, they performed some miracles themselves, they had... Uh, They wrote some books of the Bible. They did a lot of great things. You're thinking to yourself, well, yeah, if I was Peter, I would say yes too. But Peter didn't know that. He didn't know the future. He didn't know what it held. So he said yes on faith. So Jesus called his disciples when it was inconvenient for them. God called Samuel here when it was inconvenient for Samuel. I don't know if you, maybe you can figure out where I'm going with this. God might call you when it's inconvenient for you because of what you're doing, all right? Maybe you have a lot of things going on right now in your life. Maybe you got a lot on your plate. Your plate's full. We like to keep a full plate in today's society. We like to, a lot of things to do, keep us busy, keep our heads down. So you're, you're doing a lot of things at work, and you've got a lot of things here, at, you know, whatever you do at church during the week, you got, you know, you're doing those things, and uh, you've got friends, and you've got family obligations, and you've got chores to do, you know, you have a full plate. And one of those things leaves the plate. Well, what do you do? You, you put on something else on the plate, right? Because you want to have a full plate. And I, I understand that. But we can't use the, the excuse of, well, God, I have a full plate as to why we shouldn't answer God's calling. Whatever it is you're doing at work or already at church or with your friends or at school, uh, those things need to go and you need to let God have first priority. When he calls you, you've got to answer even if you're busy. All right? One of the ways you can get around that, because if we think about it, what if Peter had said, No, I'm busy, God. I'm, my net's currently in the water. I can't go right now. Come back in a year. Maybe I'll get some fish stored up and we can, I, can, I can survive off that fish and then I can come follow you. Or if, if, if John had said, Well, I mean, I'm in the middle of fixing my net. My dad's going to need this net to continue fishing when I'm following you. You know, his social security isn't built up like it should be. Uh, his pension's not there. His 401k is doing poorly. So we need to make sure that my, I care for my dad. I mean, these are good things. Don't get me wrong. But when God calls you, those things aren't as important as answering God's call. One of the ways you can get around that is allowing God to decide what goes on your plate what goes off your plate. All right, if, He's not going to put too much on your plate because God knows who you are. He knows what you need and what you need to do. If you, if you feel overburdened or overstressed in your life because of what's on your plate, odds are you've got too much of your stuff on your plate and not enough of God's stuff on your plate. Let's allow God to arrange your plate the way it needs to be arranged. He knows what you need to do. He, he's memorized your, your honey-do list, even though you've conveniently misplaced it somewhere. All right, He knows what it takes to, to run your household and to get your schoolwork done and to get your job done and to provide for your family. And more importantly, he knows what it takes to grow you as a Christian and to increase your walk with the Lord and to utilize fully your gifts for him. God knows all those things. So let's allow him to, uh, to use those. Uh, so that's the first thing. Now, it also may be that when God calls you, it's inopportune because of who you are at the time. Not what you're doing, but who you are. It might seem inopportune. If we look at our, our example here with Samuel, Samuel was the guy who anointed the first king. He, he anointed Saul. And we know how that turned out. Not so well. So maybe in this time of mourning there's some self-pity going on. Maybe Samuel is thinking to himself, well, I this is all my fault. I did this. And we of course know that wasn't the case. I mean, Saul made his own decisions. He was, you know, he he went against what Samuel advised him, went against what God told him to do. So that wasn't Samuel's fault. It isn't Samuel's fault that Saul was chosen to begin with, because God chose Saul, not Samuel. So there was some emotions going on in Samuel's life, and he wasn't ready because he was blaming himself. He he didn't think that he was the person to do it because he probably needed to grow more, or he needed to become a better prophet or 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 or, or judge before he could, you know, try and a new king. Of Israel. But let's let's review some people that have been called in the Bible. I mean, you got, as I just said, Peter, James, John, they were they were called to be apostles, and they were just fishermen. They weren't leaders of the law, they weren't high scholars, they weren't experts in any field other than catching fish. But God was able to use them because they answered the call. Moses, thanks for stealing my point by the way this morning, Chad, appreciate that. He was a murderer. And now he turned into a lowly shepherd, who had a slow, ston- uh, slow tongue. He probably stuttered a lot. God didn't care who he was. He still called him. And, you know. Now we got David being called. And what, what, what's David? Well, he's he's a young, inexperienced shepherd. He's the last-born son of a guy named Jesse. He is nobody. But he still answered the call. You know. Sometimes we don't think we're worthy to answer the call because we won't be able to answer it correctly. We, know we think that somebody else is going to answer this call better than me, God, so maybe call them, as if spiritual growth isn't even a thing, as if God can't use you for who you are. I mean, I doubt anyone ever felt truly ready to answer the call when they answered the call. All right? Um, but they're willing to. They're willing to answer the call, and they and the. Lean ahead and and put their faith on God's grace. Samuel didn't think he was worthy to choose the king because of what happened last time. But what's it say in verse 1 here at the end? What's God tell him? This is words from God For I have provided me a king among his sons. You see, God did all the hard work here. God provided the king. It's not Samuel providing the king, God did the heavy lifting. God did all the hard work. When, when you're called of God, don't think, I can't do it, because guess what? You're not even doing it in the first place. God's doing it for you. He's done all the work. He's done the heavy lifting. All you need to do is help him out. It's like he's carrying all the bags, and all you need to do is open the door for him. Just get the door, and he'll do the rest. So you might feel unprepared or even unworthy to answer God's call, uh, but God knows what he's doing. Allow God, you know, his will to sort out your priorities and what's on your plate. Allow God to, to uh, provide opportunities for you to grow as a person. Because it's, it's going to be not as bad of a burden as you think it is. What it says in, in Matthew eleven thirty, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So God knows that what he's calling you to do might seem challenging. But, if you, but the hardest part is just saying yes to God. And the rest he'll take care of. So that's the first thing that people have a problem with when they answer God's call is it's inconvenient. The second thing is that you don't see the full plan right away. See, God God didn't give Samuel the entire plan right away. You know, at first, God only gave him the first few steps. If we see and look what God told Samuel, it was, you know, get some oil. Go to Bethlehem, talk to a guy named Jesse, anoint the king. I mean, that's a pretty short checklist. And if you were to see the instructions, it would be even more maybe overwhelming because you'd be like, you know, get oil was number one, go to Bethlehem, and then a whole bunch of blank spots. And then somewhere down the road, there was a talk to a guy named Jesse. And then more blank spots. And at the end, it was anoint the king. But all those blank spots, they can get to a guy. You know, the, the, the gaps in the instructions are problems people face. But maybe those, pro, those, those, those problems you face are part of the plan because he wants you to grow in the faith. So our calling might be something that is a little more difficult than pouring oil on a guy. I'm not belittling what, belittling what, what Samuel did here. But perhaps what God has called us to do at any certain time might be more of a challenge than what Samuel was up against. If that's the case, all those blank spots on the checklist, you need them. Because going up you know, when you're on your journey and you get to the blank spots, you're going to have to rely on God in that time, aren't you? And you're going to have to ask him and seek his, his face. And, and you're going to have to have faith in what he's going to reveal to you. And he's going to reveal to you Because they're not blank spots to God, they're only blank spots to you. And so he's going to reveal those blank spots to you, and you're going to grow in the faith. So that when you get to the end of the road, and you're here at your calling, you're strong enough, and you're the person God wants you to be in order to accomplish the mission. Alright? See, God isn't calling you because of who you are now. God's calling you because of who you are when it's time. I'm going to say that again because I think it's super important. Not even a main point. It's a really good, really good point to get. God's not calling you because of who you are right now. God's calling you because of who you're going to be when the time is right. He's calling you before you're ready. Because he's probably going to use the journey to get you ready. Alright, if you're called to work Sunday school, to be a teacher of Sunday school, maybe God's only going to show you, hey, you need to teach this grade. And you're going to work with this person. And maybe that's all it gives you. And so you're going to show up and you're going to think to yourself, what am I teaching? Well, God didn't give me the whole syllabus. He didn't give me what he wants to teach next week or next month or next year. And that's where faith on God comes in. He's not going to give you the syllabus. He wants you to grow. And he wants you to seek his faith when it comes to finding what lessons to teach. You'll be a better person because of it. Those of you who are Sunday school teachers probably can agree. He also doesn't give us the entire plan uh, right away because in order to truly serve God, you first have to leave where you are. And I'm going to say it a different way, but the, the point's still there. In order to truly serve God, you have to leave who you are. So Samuel, in order to, he had to first stop being, I'm sorry, he had to first stop mourning for Saul before he could anoint David. And, and the apostles, they, you know, Peter, James, they had to first stop being fishermen before they could become apostles. And, and this is the way it is. It's even the way for salvation. How many of you are saved tonight? Amen. Amen. You know you're going to heaven, you that's, that's wonderful. In order to be saved, you first had to stop putting your trust in yourself so you could put your trust in Jesus Christ. That's the calling you got to be saved was you had to first leave who you were which is your self-reliance, and putting it in God's hands you know, as well. So if you're saved or not, you have all the example you need at this point, that you need to stop being who you are in order for God to use you fully. You know, Aren't you glad that, that way back when, however long you've been saved, that you know your past, your unsaved self, when God called you to be saved, you weren't like, well, I need to see the entire checklist, God. I'm not going to say yes to the salvation thing until I know each and every step along the journey. Alright, there's no way that seeing this step along the journey past me would have been like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, no way. But he reveals to you things that you need to know as the time comes. So whether it's, uh, whether it's just small you know, steps of faith, you know, maybe it's, it's you stop doing what you're doing so you can do the thing God wants you to do could be quitting your job or or getting new friends or, or, you know, stop doing the things that are familiar in your life. Maybe it means leaving up the walled areas of comfort so you can step out into what's uncomfortable to answer God's call. Maybe it's just allowing God, you know, to have control of your life. He's already in control. You just got to allow yourself to realize that you're not in control and you never have been. Perhaps it's because... God knows if you see the entire plan that you'll get overwhelmed and you won't start to begin with. But when you look back on the plan, when it's all said and done, you think to yourself, well, that wasn't too hard. That was pretty easy. But from the other point of view, before you start, that plan might be an instrumental mountain. And until you, you get along the way and start taking those steps, you're never going to know how much God's with you the whole time. And I, and I can teach these same points from, from any other basic example of the Bible. It's not like this story is unique. All right? God uses this whole formula time and time again. All right, The same points I'm teaching here I could teach out of other areas, whether it was you know, uh, the Israelites having to first leave Egypt before they become the nation that God wants them to be, or whether it's Paul having to be converted on the road to Damascus, or whether, thanks to Chad, uh, he can preach all my points this morning on one verse in, Acts, uh, in, uh, in John, these points are, 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 can, can be gotten from anywhere in the Bible. It's, it's what God uses. I'm just getting from here. So you can see that sometimes we don't answer God's call because uh, of what we don't know. But just as much we can not answer God's call because of what we do know. Which brings me to my third point. If we look here in, in, in the second uh, verse, what did Samuel say? Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. You see, and then I guess I can keep reading, Well, where the Lord said, take a heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. One of the reasons you might neglect God's calling is because where you see danger, God sees opportunity. So Samuel thought that Saul was going to kill him. And this isn't a, an outlandish thought. I mean, Samuel is the current king of Israel. I'm sorry, Saul is the current king of Israel, and Samuel is going to basically go find somebody else and know him as king. That's treason in most books. And so Saul has valid reason, Samuel's got valid reason to be concerned of Saul. And I suspect that the people along the way that Samuel are going to run into don't know about God's recent falling out with Saul, about his current rejection. So it's going to be treason to them as well. So there's a whole lot of danger going on in Samuel's journey. And so this concern uh, of danger is not not crazy, not a crazy thought. But God transforms what is a huge major hurdle in Samuel's eyes into an opportunity to praise God. See, not only is God going to take care of you, As you go and answer his call. But he's going to provide opportunities along the way to worship him. So so the path from where you are right now to where God has called you to be. That pathway is littered with opportunities to praise God and to worship God and to serve God. Uh, So when God calls us, realize that along the path it isn't just the danger. We get so focused on the path, we see, we see the bumps in the road, we see the potholes, and the turns, and the blind intersections, and, and the giant rocks. We get so focused on that path that doesn't look like an easy path, that we forget that God provides for us along the path. If we were to look up a little bit and see that, hey, this path we're on, there's people all around it. We're passing people. And those people, we can help along the way and that's what God's doing it here right that um, they're here for us to help note here that Samuel uh, when he was going on his road to uh, anoint and answer the call is that he ended up having a sacrifice and sanctifying others people who weren't even part of his calling he sanctified them he sanctified Jesse and all his brothers Uh, none of them were a part of the calling So what appears to be just a reason to get through the guards, right, an alibi that God gave Samuel to get the mission done safely, as it turns out, is more than just that. Because God is concerned not only for your safety, but also those you meet along the way. And aren't you glad that that God concerns himself for people that you meet along the way? So... Uh, when I was saved, the man who led me to the Lord uh, was in Alaska. He was a missionary uh, to Russia. And he was home in Alaska. Uh, it was either on furlough or he was raising support. I don't remember which one it was. Either way, his calling was the mission field in Russia. But I was a person he met along the way. And he talked to me and he, and he, and he showed me what other guys have showed me. But he was the one who led me to the Lord. And I'm so glad... That God cares for the people you're going to meet along the way. I'm willing to bet that whoever led you to the Lord. They weren't called to lead you to the Lord. They were called to something else. And you were a person that they met along the way. And they took the time because God showed it to them. To care for you and to lead you to the Lord. Aren't you glad that God cares for people you meet along the way? And this brings me to my, you know, the the biggest danger people focus on when they think of answering God's call is that we think if we answer God's call that we're going to have to travel this path alone. But we're not going to travel the path alone. Alright? Obviously, God's with us. He's traveling with you along the path, which is all you need. But he also brings people into your life that travel the path with you. Samuel... You know, on this path from where he was answering God's call to anointing the king over in Bethlehem, he ran into many people and, and he was able to, anoint, uh, to sanctify them even though the sacrifice wasn't his main calling. But he had the sacrifice and people were anointed and, and you know what? He wasn't alone during that. I have no doubt that during that sacrifice, Samuel benefited from it. Samuel was rejuvenated his spirit was lifted during that sacrifice. He was recharged and reinventegrated. I mean, he, he had just gone a long journey filled with danger and, and the unknown, doing what God had asked him to do. He may have gotten to all, all that far and he might have needed some encouragement. He might have needed some, some time with the Lord. And so God provided that sacrifice for him. The path you're asked to travel by God when you're, when you're answering the call It may have a lot of turns and a lot of twists. But it's also going to include rest stops. Places you can pause and meet with God. And lift your spirit and rejuvenate your mind. And realize why it is you started on this journey in the first place. He's going to provide you places to meet with God. Because God's with you. And so are fellow Christians. As you're answering your call, you've got places like church. That you can meet with God and you can meet other people Amen. along the way. And they're going to help you, just like God's going to help you along your way. You see, when, when you see danger along the path, don't forget the same people on the side of the road that you helped along the journey, in this case, Samuel sanctifying them, they're going to help you as well. They're going to help you navigate the pitfalls of the road, they're going to help you find where the turns are, where the twists are, they're going to give you encouragement. You know, it's just like watching a like the Boston Marathon or or the Olympics, you've got the runners on the course, but along the course you've got a giant crowd cheering them on, encouraging them, helping them. And you've got fellow runners on the course that are giving energy to them, and the the crowds giving them water and and some snacks so they can they can finish strong and they can they can get to where they need to go. I mean, I've I've run races before, not not marathons. Nothing near that intense. Not even that fast. But time and time again, without fail, I run faster and with more energy if I run with somebody or if someone's along the side cheering me on. God knows this. He's going to be there for us. He's going to provide people to go along the path. All right, you're going to you're not going to go by yourself on this journey to answer God's call. He's providing others for you. Whether it's him, whether it's us, we're here to help you on your journey and to answer the call that God's given to your life. And that brings me uh, to my last point here is that when you're answering God's call, there's a temptation to do it by ourselves. Let's look in verse 6 here, and, and, and this is uh, after the sacrifice. Uh, and it came to pass that when they were come, that he looked, uh, this is Samuel, he looked on Elab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord, said unto Samuel, "Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. And I could just say, as a quick aside, amen to look at the height of his stature, okay? If Pastor were here, he would agree with me. I know for sure. Juan's here, he gets it. Yeah, amen. Anyway, um... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yes. Because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For he looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So, there's a temptation to finish our calling, to finish the mission, to finish the job. Whatever it is God called you to do, there's a temptation to, uh, to go it alone. But By this point in the story, Samuel had already traveled uh, quite a ways. I don't know how long, it's probably 10 miles or so from where he was to Bethlehem, but that might have, it probably wasn't like paved streets 10 miles. It was probably rough terrain 10 miles. There was probably obstacles in the way. There were wild animals in the way. There could have been thieves along the way. He's got to carry a, you know, bring a cow with him. I don't know how you walk 10 miles with a cow. That can't be very easy. So, so he's done a lot of work so far. And, and at this point, he's gotten to Bethlehem, and he's talked to the people he needed to talk to, And he built an altar, and he sacrificed the cow. I don't know what it takes to sacrifice a cow, but it's a process. you got to cut it up, and I don't know what a butcher does, but it's not easy. It's not fast. So, So Samuel's been at this for a while. He's been doing this call, answering this call for quite a while now. And he might think to himself, because he's had time to think, he's had time to imagine what's happening, to reflect on this, that... Now that the sacrifice is over, he's been rejuvenated, he might think, oh, I can see the finish line. I'm this close. I'm 99% of the way there. The journey's been made. The sacrifice has been had. All I need to do now is anoint the king that God wants me to anoint. And because I believe in God, and because God is an all-powerful and an all-powerful God, surely the first person God's put in my way is going to be the person God wants to anoint. Surely. So on the pathway to answering his call, Samuel might not think to ask God who the person is because God's going to give him the first person he sees. I mean, how many of us are guilty of that little blunder? Which, which car do I buy? Right, which, which college do I go to? Oh, the first one that accepts me, right? Which job do I take? Which which person do I marry? Now, I, I didn't have multiple choices for me, okay? That it was, it was clear. I was, you know... Look at me, right? <clears throat> so, we make that mistake all the time, thinking, well, God's going to put the first thing he wants us to have that's going to be right in the center of our mind. But that isn't always the case. You see, Samuel had thus far listened to God and and listen to all that God had told him and all of a sudden now he gets there he's not going to ask which son to anoint i mean it seemed obvious to Saul uh, to Samuel which son was the one he had all the physical characteristics that Samuel thought a king should have you know he had a lot of time to imagine what the king's going to look like all all the all the walking up there all the sacrifice preparation the the waiting around he imagined, oh, this is what a king's going to look like. And when, when Jesse's first son shows up in front of him, he's like, this is it. This is perfect. This is what I think a king's going to be. I'm anointing this guy. But God had other plans. The first son might have been what Samuel thought a king should look like, but then again, so did Saul. And look how that turned out. The better choice, of course, is God's choice. we got to rely on God, because we rely on him from the get-go where we rely on him to, to know oh I've been called we rely on him to know when to start the journey where to take the first steps what general direction to take when the navigating's tough we rely on God to know how to navigate through these turns through these twists of the road but after a while we start getting comfortable with it don't we we're on this journey for a while we we got it down i've traveled many miles god i've i see what direction you're sending me i know where i'm going Whatever choices that lay have me now, they're going to be either inconsequential, so it doesn't matter if I take the left or the right, they'll both lead to the same point, or it's going to be just blatantly obvious what the, what the right one is. Because I've been following your course so far. I mean, is it as blatantly obvious as Jesse's first son? Because that was obvious, but it was wrong. It's like it's like you're on, a, you're on a car journey, okay? You're gonna drive from Sioux Falls. I don't know why you do this, but you're gonna drive from Sioux Falls, you're gonna drive to New York City. Because you wanna check out the Empire State Building or, or something, I've never been there before. Well, what are you gonna do? You're gonna get in your car, you're gonna hook up your GPS, you're gonna say, how do I get to New York City? Because you have no idea how to get there. And you're gonna follow that GPS. As you leave Sioux Falls and you drive across the country to New York, you're gonna follow that. It's gonna tell you where to turn, when to turn, It's going to tell you where to get gas, where to get food, where to sleep for the night. It's going to tell you where areas to avoid because of construction or congestion. It's going to tell you everything. And you're going to listen to that GPS. And then you're going to pull up after a thousand miles of this journey, and you're going to get to the giant sign that says, welcome to New York uh, City. And you're going to be like, well, I made it. I'm turning my GPS off. I mean, I've made it a thousand miles. I can... I can navigate the last 20. How hard can that be? I mean, it might be that the last 20 miles have more danger and obstacles than the first 1,000 combined. I would have no idea how to get from the city limits of New York City to the Empire State Building. But God knows. You're stuck there because you're stuck looking through your little windshield at whatever's right ahead of you. And you're surrounded by these tall skyscrapers and you can't see just to a few, like, taillights ahead of you. That's all you can see. And you've got to try and find one skyscraper among hundreds. But God's way up there. He can see the entire city. He knows where you are, where he wants you to be, and he knows all the routes to get there. He knows when you should turn and how you should turn. Let's not shut our GPS off when we get close to the finish line because we think we can make it. Let's shut our GPS off when we actually arrive there. Let's keep asking God. Let's keep seeking his face. You see, the son that God wanted anointed wasn't the first one Samuel saw. wasn't the first one Samuel would have picked. Because we don't make choices like God makes choices. We can only see what we can see. God can see everything. He can see the past, the present, and the future, perfectly, from all angles. All we can see is what's ahead of us, which is not very much. So even though we've gone quite a journey answering God's call... At no point can we stop seeking God's will to say, how does he want us to finish the call? Let's stand up. Let's, let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Uh, the musicians can come and, uh, and play some music. We'll have a little time of invitation here. And let, let's just think here that how, how has God called you in your life? What has he asked you to do? Where has he asked you to go? Who has he asked you to be? Let's just take those first few steps. Maybe you don't know more than the first few steps. God hasn't revealed them to you yet. Take the first steps. Maybe the first step is to the altar, saying, hey, God, I acknowledge you've, you've, uh, you've called me in my life. And once you get to the altar, that first step is taken. And he'll reveal another step to you. And then after that, step another step. And through all those series of steps, you'll find your way to answer God's call. Are you afraid to answer the journey alone? Because God's with you. We're with you. He's going to provide you support. He's going to give you rest and rejuvenation when you need it. If you just answer his call, he'll provide for you. And don't grow accustomed to the journey. Maybe you're on the call for a while now and you think to yourself, I got this covered. I understand what's going on. I know where he wants me to be. Let God show you, because maybe you'll be surprised. Maybe God has someone else in your mind. Let's deal with God now. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.